Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Thank you for joining us, worshiping with us at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm Mario Servan, the pastor at the here at Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church. And today, I'm glad to join you in uh, viewing, just like many of you are viewing online. <clears throat> we, yes, we are still home this Sabbath. Everyone feels okay. Everyone uh, is uh, great. Thank you for your prayers. However, we were advised to stay at home to quarantine one more Sabbath. Um, today, I want to introduce to you uh, the speaker and the message. The message today, how to slay your giant. In your life, in my life, we all have challenges. We all have that thorn in the flesh that comes at us once and again. And today, uh, Dr. Dwight Nelson, the senior pastor of the Pioneer Memorial Church at Andrews University, will share with us practical steps how to slay that giant in your life. May God make his word fruitful and produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life today. I'm standing beneath a sign, a, sign, a banner high overhead. One word on it, breakthrough. A whole lot of signatures covering that banner. The ones in red belong to faculty and staff and teachers. The ones with the multiple colors are the young, our new students, our return students last night who were in this place. You want a breakthrough in your life? See, what kind of breakthrough are you talking about? How about a breakthrough financially? How about a breakthrough socially? Just a new breakthrough. How about a breakthrough emotionally? How about a breakthrough spiritually? In the few minutes you and I have beneath this banner, let's talk about that breakthrough. God knows there's not a soul here not ready for that breakthrough. Let's pray. Oh, God, that's what we need. That's what we want, that breakthrough. Give it to us, please, in the name of the Son of David. Amen. Let me teach you a one-line prayer. You want a breakthrough prayer? It's a one-line prayer. I'll put it on the screen. Memorize it, please. Pray it often. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Let's try that one on. Let's try the line on for size, okay? Let's do it out loud together. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Let's try it again. Come on. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. You want to slay your giant? What's that title that we're on for this little breakthrough moment? Put the title slide up, please. Breakthrough, how to slay your giant. Memorize that prayer. Memorize that prayer. And take the following three actions, all right? Action number one, 
you have got to admit that, the, that it must have been a comical scene. We're talking about big King Saul with little only a boy named David trying on that royal armor. I want you to notice Saul's response. Open your Bible to the story of one of the greatest stories in sacred literature, David and Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Open your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's go. What does Saul say to that little shepherd boy? Drop down to verse 33. I'll be in the New International Version. 1 Samuel 17, verse 33. And Saul replied to David, You, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. You, my boy, against that big giant, you've got to be crazy. Let me tell you something about people like Saul. They're in all of our lives. Whenever we face our giants, well-meaning people that we know very well have tried to whittle us down to size. It could be the voice of a parent you're hearing right now. Some of us hear our mother's voice. Some of us hear our father's voice. It could be the voice of a teacher you heard once upon a time, and that voice has never left you. It could be the voice of a sibling, a voice of a friend, an employer, somebody significant in your life that has whittled you down to size. You're not spiritual enough. Look at you. <laughs> You're not bright enough. You're not good enough. You're not rich enough. You can't. Why is it that when we're getting ready to face the giant of our lives, those voices pop up in our minds and begin to taunt us? You can't. You can't. You're too, you're too puny. Look at you. The fact of the matter is, every one of us in this space right now is facing a giant. Some of you have faced this giant since you were a child. This giant has never left you or forsaken you, and it isn't the Lord Jesus either. This giant has learned every DNA of your mind and being. This giant knows every button to push. Oh, mercy. Do we need a breakthrough? Please. It's amazing the levels of shame and sophisticated taunting and belittlement that take place in our families, our schools, even workplaces. It, it, it just is so sad today. But I'm going to tell you a little secret about people who try to shame others. I don't care where they are. They may be in the lowest office in the land or the highest. It doesn't matter. If you try to shame somebody, what you're telling everybody around you is that you have something you're ashamed of yourself. That's why we cut people off at the legs. We don't want them to go any higher than we are. The giants are everywhere, folks. Saul says to David, my man, you are never going to make it. But you know what? Saul's hiding a little secret that we all now know. Because you know what the Bible says about Saul? He, he was a head taller than every other man in Israel. So when Goliath, the giant, comes out bellowing, send me your biggest warrior, send me your tallest man, everybody knows it's supposed to be the king. He's a head taller. But wimpy Saul. Oh, I want to tell you something. Leaders who wimp out, leaders who succumb to fear, infuse the entire organization. Because everybody takes their cue from the leader. Watch what happens here. Come on. This is, uh, this is verse, what is this? Verse 11 in 1 Samuel 17, verse 11. 
There it is. And on hearing the Philistines bellowing words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now, they're not only dismayed and terrified, they respond physically. Drop down to verse 24. Whenever the Israelites saw this belligerent giant, they all fled from him in what? In great fear. And that includes Saul himself. So when he shames David, he's hiding his own shame. Always works that way. You can count on it. Uh, should be Saul strapping on this arm and saying, okay, I'm going out. That doesn't. No, no, he straps it on David, and it was comical. It had to be. But David is walking in the tallest man's armor in Israel, thumping around that tent. And finally, David says, time out. Enough is enough. Put the words on the screen. David says, look, guys, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. And there it is. Jot it down in your mind. Action step number one. You must fight, fight in your own armor. You know why? Because you are a unique creation. In fact, I'll just tell you a little secret. When you got born, God took the DNA, DNA blueprint. I already have one. Why would I ever make a second one? You are absolutely unique. You were designed. God needed you on this planet. Don't, don't whip out on him now. He needed you to be a winner. Oh, I love these words from Anthony De Stefano. This is great. Put it on the screen for us all, please. In any, in, in any single act of intercourse between a man and woman, approximately 500 million, correct number, sperm cells are deposited in the female. And only one of those sperm cells is allowed entrance into the woman's ovum. So in a very real sense, a half billion other potential human beings had to forego life to make way for you. Congratulations. You got the luck of the draw. A half a billion are gone because you came. Wow. As he goes on, from a strictly statistical point of view, your presence on this planet is a miracle. No matter what you may think of yourself right now, and some of you have some dark thoughts about yourself because this week is already feeling bad and I haven't even started yet. No matter what you may think of yourself right now, you are already an overachiever of the highest caliber. And then I love this. You came into this world a champion. I'm telling you what, ladies and gentlemen, you were designed to win. And you and the son of David can lick any giant in your life. Come on. I like the, I like the way the, 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 the words of the angel of the Lord to another wimpy fighter who is scared to death. This is the angel to Gideon on the screen. I love what the angel says to him. Yo, Gideon, go in the strength you have. You've got all the armor you need. You don't need her armor. You don't need his armor. You use your armor. Go in the strength you have. Fight in your own armor. Come on is right. Action step number one, fight in your own armor. Action step number two, run toward your giant. Your own giant. I read an interview a few days ago. Henry Winkler. Hey, do you remember Happy Days? The Fonz? That's Henry Winkler. I learned something about him I never knew. He was born dyslexic. 
That means he would look at a page with words on it and the words would just kind of move around and he could not make any sense. He told the interviewer, and I quote, I kept telling myself, I can't do that, I'm stupid. How many times have you breathed that? What a stupid guy I am. It's the giant taunting through you to yourself. And when a giant keeps taunting that over and over into your mind, you quickly become a believer in the taunts. Now, a woman named Lynn Oliver got a hold of him, became his friend. She tells the interviewer, by the way, and I'm quoting her now, the feeling of being inadequate, the feeling of being a bad student, of not succeeding academically, never left him. And yet, through her friendship, she was able to help Henry Winkler take down the giant of dyslexia and despair, brought it down to the place he wins an Emmy Award, that's television, for his acting. He couldn't read the scripts, he had to memorize them. To which he now has become a world-famous author of children's stories. He's written 29 books so far. They star, they star a little kid who has dyslexia, wouldn't you know? And the kid's name is Hank Zipser. And kids all over the planet know Hank Zipser. <laughs> There is a story of a man who saw this giant and he said, I'm not settling for that intimidating paralysis. You got to run towards your giant, not from it. That's what David did. Hey, listen, I don't know what giant you're facing right now. I know that everybody here has a giant. Some of you are thinking about your giant even as I speak. It might be a, a moral giant or, or an immoral, pardon me, an immoral giant. It could be the giant of finances or the lack of finances. It could be the giant of fear. It could be the giant of failure. It could be the giant of discrimination. It could be the giant of a raging temper. Listen, our mutual enemy has a thousand masks through which he masquerades as the giant of choice for you and me. He switches masks as fast as that. Taunting, taunting. So we live with that giant. We live with that giant and his intimidation, his bellicose, taunting, seeking to paralyze us through stinky, dark thinking. How's it work? I'll show you how it works. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Where does this stinky, dark thinking come from? Put it on the screen for you. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be alert and of sober what? What's the word? You gotta, this is all up in the mind. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Do you know why the lion roars? He roars to paralyze his prey before he rips the prey apart. He needs you paralyzed, immobile. God keeps whispering in your ears, I need a breakthrough, girl. I need a breakthrough. Boy, move it, move it, move it. And the giant is telling you, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Paralyzed. If you have a giant, by the way, standing in front of you right now, and some of you are thinking of him, who's been taunting you, some of you, ever since childhood, then it's time to take a page out of David's playbook. You've got you to do action step number two. Put the words on the screen, please. What does it read in the story? As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly. What's the next word? Toward. He ran quickly toward the battle line to meet his giant. He didn't run from his giant. He ran toward his giant. You have to take the aggression. 
You have to take the initiative. You have to move against your giant. You can't keep backing up because he will back you into a corner and into a corner and then your lunch. You have to step forward. When you don't feel like stepping forward, I know a little bit about that. When everything in you is saying, don't do it, you have to step forward. I can't. Yes, you can. Remember the prayer. The prayer. Let's, put the, let, let, let's do all three of these because we're ready for the final one now. Action step number one on the screen. Fight in your own armor. Action step number two on the screen. Run toward your own giant. And now we're ready for action step number three. Call on your own God. That's the key. Come on, you gotta read what David said to, to Goliath. This is unbelievable. So, so you're, you're near the middle of the chapter. Let's drop down to verse 40. Then David took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approaches. So he's going toward. He is approaching the giant. Now watch this, verse 45. And David said to the Philistine, you, you come to me. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin by the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of, of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head this very day. I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Can I get an amen? amen. There is a God in Israel. And Andrews University belongs to Israel. Verse 47, and all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Wow. Pretty gutsy. Yo, are you listening out there, giants? Can you hear us now? I wish we had a YouTube at this moment. <laughs> I don't know how many watches it would have, but I'd watch it a lot. Uh, Patriarchs and Prophets describes graphically this very moment that we just read. Put Patriarchs and Prophets on the screen, please. There was a ring of fearlessness in David's tone, a look of triumph and rejoicing upon his fair countenance. This speech, now get this, given in a clear musical voice, rang out on the air and was distinctly heard by the listening thousands marshaled for war, end quote. Everybody heard it. Silent. And in a moment of frenzy, Goliath foolishly Foolishly pushed his massive brass helmet back. And as he begins to run to David, David spots the most vulnerable part of the human cranium now exposed to him. David, by the way, who is the backyard marksmanship specialist with slings, sees that flesh come in his direction and that little sling. And when he releases it, a tiny little, one little flinty projectile sails through the air, bull mark, bullseye, right on the mark. And look at this on the screen. The stone, this is pretty graphic. The stone, slow-mo. The stone sank into his forehead 
and he fell face down on the ground. Oh, I love that. David grabs that sword and unsheaths it. It's going to become his eventually. And high overhead, he decapitates the wicked giant. Hell went into days of mourning, but all of heaven and Israel rejoice because the wicked giant is dead. Come on. Amen. Action step number three. What is that again? You do just like David did. You want to slay your giant? You do just like David did. You call on your own God. And by the way, did you catch the name David used? David, what was it? David said, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Youthful voice crying out. The Hebrew reads this way. I come to you in the name of Yahweh Sabaoth, or Lord, Lord of hosts, which means the God of angel armies. Well, put that on the screen for us. The God of angel armies. That was the God of only a boy named David. That was the God of the stone, just the one stone that hit the bullseye. The God of angel armies. And I have good news for you, because he's not only David's God, he's your God and my God. Yeah, I want to go to that moment when the son of David is here. He is facing the darkest giant of his entire existence. It is in the suffocating shadows of the Garden of Gethsemane that he stands all alone. One of his closest friends is on the way to betray him. Another even closer disciple will deny him in just moments from now. Jesus stands alone. I suppose Jesus' eyes are the only ones that can pierce through that withering darkness to see the leer face that he has known throughout eternity. He sees Lucifer now, tall, but his flesh hanging as the fleshy hands of Lucifer reach out to the shadows to grab Jesus to annihilation. Jesus sees it all. And then Jesus speaks words I hope you will never forget. Please put them on the screen from the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus speaking. Do you think I cannot now, what we know about legions, a legion of Roman warriors is about 6,000. So you've got 12 times that. You have 72,000 celestial warriors. Don't you understand? I say the word. 72,000 of my top fighters will be right here in this space. Oh, I have good news for you. What the son of David just told us is the secret to your victory. Because the son of David is still the son of David. They were born in the same town. They both became shepherds. They both stood before the, gi the giantest giants of all the universe. And, the, and they both won. In the name of their God, the God of angel armies. You see that wrist going through, the, going through? Through that brick, oh, I love that. Thank you, Brittany. Do it again. That red fist is red because it is the fist of Calvary. It was on the cross just hours after Gethsemane that that red fist, standing all alone, by the way, all alone, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because there are times when in, the fa in facing off with your giant, God has to stand back. 
He cannot show you the 72,000, but you need to know that 72,000 of the highest celestial warriors in the universe were ringing that cross. You say, how do you know, Dwight? I, you know how I know? Because he won, that's why. He won. He won no woman. Had the God of angel armies not delivered him. Because he had to fight his giant the same way you and I do. No fancy dancy stuff, it's just raw faith. Don't you know I could call 72,000 angels if I needed them? You can too. Red fist, that's Calvary. Calvary defeated Satan forever and ever. Amen. He's a roaring lion, but there are no teeth in his mouth. He's trying to intimidate you. He's taunting you. He's bringing everything back from your childhood that he can possibly think of. And he knows your entire childhood like it were his own book. He knows you like the back of his hand. And he's trying every trick in the book to paralyze you. To hold you back from a breakthrough that God is promising you right now for this new year. Breakthrough. You need the red fist. Because the red fist commands the angel armies. The red fist commands the angel armies. And when you pray the prayer, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When you pray that prayer on the screen, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You are asking for the red fist to come through to your giant at this moment of absolute vulnerability. I'm about to go down, Jesus. I'm about to fall. Don't let me fall, son of David. Have mercy on me. 72,000. You'll never see them. Because God's not a genie in a bottle to show up when you rub the bottle. God is your defender and the closest friend you will ever have. And God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Don't you worry about that. God will take care of you. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You keep praying that prayer and he'll keep slaying your giant. And I have good news for you. He's coming back for you soon. But when he comes back, he will have kept your giant slain until the day of his return. Amen. You have nothing to fear. Breakthrough. That's what God offers us now. I say, let's go for it. Don't you think? Don't you think we ought to go for it? Oh, come on.